It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the mind of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, October 15th, ahead of the LA Galaxy Sunday matchup with Minnesota United this weekend. Should be a very interesting game. We're going to talk just a little tiny itsy bits about that. Of course, we'll have a live show coming up on Thursday that will really get you tied in for that. But there is some other soccer that will take place before that Sunday matchup that we're certainly going to be focused on and all the LA Galaxy news we can catch you up on after their off week, the national team break, all that fun stuff that has happened. We're going to get you updated on the Galaxy and get you ready for uh, the last two games of the season here as we continue. And, of course, helping me do that is uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself, uh, experiencing wonderful weather everywhere he travels. It's Mr. Kevin Baxter. How's it going, buddy? It, what could have possibly happened that we need to talk about over the last week? The Galaxy uh, didn't even play a game. What could possibly have happened that we need to discuss on this show? I mean, technically, if you really want to get it, we probably could have just skipped this show. But uh, there's always stuff that we can talk about. I mean, I don't want to like just sort of there's there's really important things that are coming up, Kevin, that just doesn't necessarily relate to the Galaxy yet. Uh, well, I got to go. I, I'm in Frisco, Texas, which is uh, just outside Dallas, as everyone knows. And it is 45 degrees outside. It is raining hamsters and cats. It's horrible. I do get the feeling that storms are following me. You know, they have those storm chasers in Oklahoma, the guys that get in the trucks and follow the tornadoes and stuff. I feel like the storms are chasing me. I got on a plane uh, 10 days ago, whatever it was. It seems a lot longer. And I flew to Tampa and I landed in a rainstorm. I had no idea that I checked the weather before I left. Everything was fine. I landed to set a hurricane. A Cat 4 hurricane was on the way. Then I leave leave there and come here and uh thunder lightning like you had in la but freezing rain it's mm-hmm. just horrible and of course i didn't bring a jacket so um the panda fur is getting wet i was gonna say it, this is this is later in the year now kevin i would expect that you would be ready for uh for this type of weather well you don't expect it i'm stupid is that's the problem <laughs> but, but you know Having grown up in Sweden, all of us pandas, we're used to this cold weather. So I was going to big deal. I was going to say it's certainly there. Have you? Uh, did you get a chance to see the Hall of Fame at all? Remember, I'm a, I'm one of these guys who thinks that having the Hall of Fame in in Frisco, Texas, when you say just outside of Dallas, uh, it's 45 minutes outside of Dallas or about 40 minutes outside of Dallas. Uh, I'm I'm sort of completely against having the Hall of Fame there. But you, I, I, did you get a sneak peek, or have you at least seen a little bit of it? Well, I saw it from outside yesterday at the game. I'm here in Frisco for the Women's World Cup qualifying, uh, disguised as the CONCACAF Women's Championship, but don't let anyone fool you. It's a World Cup qualifier. Um, and I saw there was a doubleheader yesterday. I was at the, the Toyota Stadium, and you can see the state. It's attached. The Hall of Fame is attached to the stadium. So I could see it from the outside, but I went back this morning to interview J.P. De La Camera, the, the uh, broadcaster who is being inducted into the Hall of Fame on Saturday, and I didn't get a tour. I'm hoping to get a tour tomorrow. But I, I did the interview in the Hall of Fame, so I got to look around and see some of the stuff. It is really awesome. It, it's really cool. And, and as you mentioned, when you say soccer, the first thing you think of, of course, is Frisco, Texas. Um, not. But the reason it's here is when they had – they actually had a physical building before. It was in New York. It was in upstate New York. Um, and it, it just they, – they couldn't make a go of it. Uh, a lot of the stuff – I believe it was around 2009, 2010. They laid off the staff. Funding was 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 bad. They weren't making the budget. Um, and so all of those artifacts and stuff went into storage. And so guys like Ziggy Schmidt, when he was inducted, he was actually inducted basically into a warehouse. Uh, they gave him a little certificate, and he got to make a speech, and then all the stuff went into a warehouse. So what happened here is the Hunt family, who owns FC Dallas and was very uh, instrumental in, in the start of MLS, and actually soccer in this country going back before that, soccer and NFL football, um, they decided that they would fund this thing, and they would add it to their stadium. Um, if you haven't been to Toyota Stadium, you're like most people in Texas. They, they get <laughs> dismal attendance here but it, the, the stadium itself is is really nice and the area around it is incredible all the bars and restaurants they have here it's really really nice so the stadium fits uh, or the hall of fame fits very nicely into that neighborhood um it's nine almost twenty thousand square feet it's got uh, all kinds of interactive stuff supposedly it's it's one of the most um 
well, we're in the 21st century now. They call it a 21st century museum. There's a lot of interactive displays right. and things that you can touch and feel and play with. But I'm looking forward to going back tomorrow to see it. And uh, anyone that comes through Dallas for whatever reason, as you said, it's a 45-minute drive from the city to out here. But it, it's definitely worth coming out to look at the Hall of Fame. It's it's really got some cool stuff in there. A lot of Galaxy guys in there. I saw Eric Winalda's jersey in there today. And, and there is a lot of things from the women's team. You know, there are a lot of Galaxy people already inducted. Kobe Jones is in here, Bruce Arena, Ziggy Schmidt, um, and, uh, you know, Landon Donovan's going to go in for sure when he is eligible to go in. So it, it's actually worth the visit. It's pretty cool. All right. So you, you, you next time you go, I'll, I'll tag along with you. I'll let you uh, foot the bill for that. Sounds like a great idea. All right. Uh, the LA Galaxy. We could take the corporate plane, right? There you go. That's right. We'll take the corporate corporate jet. That sounds great. Uh, okay. So as we go, the LA Galaxy did not play a game last week. Uh, having said that, uh, there were a couple people who did play some games. Uh, it wasn't a full slate, and obviously during the international break, but there was still stuff that sort of came out. And so we're going to try to sort of go through some of that as the LA Galaxy ramp up for training for this game on Sunday, just to give you a quick update on the LA Galaxy schedule and how that sort of sits here for the rest of the week. The LA Galaxy trained on, uh, well, they didn't train on Monday, but uh, they will train soon. They'll train on Tuesday. Uh, they're training on Wednesday. They train on Thursday. And then on Friday, Kevin, they will travel to Minnesota. Uh, that means that on Saturday, they'll train in Minnesota and then they'll get ready for that Sunday, October 21st game at 2 p.m. Uh, it's the LA Galaxy at Minnesota United FC uh, at TCF Bank Stadium. Uh, that game will be very, very interesting to see in terms of, uh, of where it gets played. Now, uh, I now, also who goes? You said that they yeah. go, they're going to go on Friday. I just spoke to someone with the Galaxy, and this person may not be totally in the know because I, I, I got to believe the decision's been made. But this person told me it's not actually a hundred percent that Zlatan will participate in that game, according to this source I talked to. So does he even make the trip? I, I got to believe he makes the trip. He's got to be on the sidelines if they're losing one to nothing. He's going on the field for the last fifteen or twenty minutes. I don't care if they play on asphalt. Uh, you know, it, it's a tough call. I, I think either way, whether it's a lot of time plays or not. He hasn't played on turf all years. We know well there was 15 or 19 minutes he played in Portland. Right. He complained about the best turf field in the league. Weekly yeah. gets a look at Minnesota's. Part of Baggio Husidic's leg is still out there yeah. somewhere. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, we can talk about this a little more later if you're interested. But I think that he's got to play. There's too much on the line. The real risk to me isn't so much the game in Minnesota. I think he'll stand upright and be able to get through the game. It's can he recover on that surgically repaired knee quick enough He's got a week to come back and play the final game on grass at StubHub Center with a, a three-and-a-half-hour flight in between. Can he recover in time? But, but, you know, another way to look at it is if they don't win the game in Minnesota, it doesn't matter what happens in the final game at StubHub. you got to win that one first or otherwise the game – uh, at Stubba may not mean anything. Well, I mean, yeah, it certainly would. And and while we're talking about, you know, sort of the, the ways and the directions and why this matters and how it goes and whether or not Zlatan could play, I mean, I think m some of that, Kevin, might actually wait until Thursday to be answered because on Thursday night, you will have uh, Real Salt Lake, who sits currently one point in front of the LA Galaxy. You're going to have Real Salt Lake uh, face off against the New England Revolution. Uh, this is a game on Thursday night at RSL. So RSL has the home game. And this is on ESPN Plus. Good luck finding that. I, I can find it. Usually I can find it on ESPN. It's easier than finding it on Spectrum Sportsnet. That's for <laughs> dang sure. Um, I, by the way, I got a bunch of messages after we talked about the TV contract and how it's not good for the fans anymore. And it may be good for the Galaxy, but it's certainly not good for everybody who's trying to follow the team and try to grow that fan base. I got a bunch of messages that, that completely agreed with us and said that the the contract, although it may give the Galaxy you know $5.5 million a year, um, is certainly uh, detracting from their ability to watch the games, and they think that's hurting. And, and there's a bunch of, I probably got five or six messages that were that way. Well, of course they agree with us, because we're right. We are right on that I one. I always agree when we're right. Anyway, yeah. so it's going to be RSL hosting New England Revolution. Uh, on ESPN+. Plus. On ESPN+, Plus, so on MLS Live that's on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, this takes on a whole interesting sort of uh, a different vibe to it because it's played on Thursday, Kevin. It's played on uh, an international break where some teams are playing on Wednesday or some teams are playing on Tuesday night, excuse me, uh, some international teams. And, and Real Salt Lake has a bunch of internationals, Kevin, that are going 
uh, that have traveled with their international teams and probably will not be back or will make it back just in time and therefore will probably not start in this game. Uh, Joao Plata, uh, Albert Rusnak, and Jefferson Savarino are all internationals that will be coming back. And according to Sam Stresko, who is reporting on this, he says they won't return to Salt Lake City until Wednesday, which means they're unlikely that it's unlikely that they start in this huge game for Real Salt Lake against the New England Revolution. And then you add on top of the international break and those guys being tired, Kevin, you have Kyle Beckerman and uh, and Sunny uh, or Sunny, Sunny, sorry, Sunny. Um, also suspended for this game on yellow cards. So you have one of the biggest games of Real Salt Lake's entire season. In fact, it is the biggest game of their season. It's one that really could separate them by four points from the LA Galaxy. They're currently one point ahead. It could separate them by four points. And RSL plays Thursday, and then they play at Portland on Sunday, and that's it for their season. They do not play the final weekend of the season so the LA Galaxy will play on Sunday and then a week later on the following Sunday so it's very very likely that if RSL drops any points whatsoever that the LA Galaxy will know exactly what they'll need to do against Houston that final game in order to possibly get into the playoffs can um, I talk for just a moment and, I don't and, think so. and, and play devil's advocate a little yes. bit and take the Salt Lake side on this and talk about just how ludicrous and stupid and idiotic the MLS schedule is and uh, I don't necessarily mean the way the schedule played uh, or the way the schedule was set up, you know, 12 months ago, but the way it's playing out right now, first of all, international break. If you are a good team, you are competing for the playoffs. If you are a good team competing for the playoffs, by definition, you have good players and right. those players theoretically would go play for their international teams. Mm-hmm. So you have a international break that everybody knows about. FIFA picks these dates two years in advance. Um, and you have a team uh, scheduled to play LAFC. It was scheduled to play Houston last week. They moved the game actually, but they moved it into the heart of an international break. We also like scheduled to play this game an international break. Now there's nowhere nobody knew 12 months ago that this would be a, an important game, but they knew that there was going to be a game at the end of the season with po- potential playoff ramifications during an international break. I think it's just really the two suspensions. That's those guys' fault. They screwed up. The three guys that got called away for international duty uh, were, you know, they weren't able to object. I'm sure Real Salt Lake probably tried, but it, it's a FIFA international break. The players have to be released to their, to their national teams. This really puts Salt Lake in a tough position, and it's it's really unfair to Salt Lake and their fans. I know the Galaxy benefits from that, but that doesn't change the fact that it's really unfair to have them do this. And then to come back and play you know, make a road trip. It's not a long trip, but it does change time zones. And they have to come back and play on turf a short time later. They're playing their two biggest games of the year within four days of one another in two different cities without five players. Three of them were gone on international break, which could have been avoided. That, you know, that just makes the league look Mickey Mouse when those kind of things happen. Yeah, it, it does. And I'll tell you this as well. You know, you also get the feeling that the Galaxy have benefited. Remember whenever they went through that congested schedule, Kevin, and we were like, oh, man, they're, they're playing like every other week. You know, it, it, they had a midweek and then a weekend and a midweek and a weekend. And it was just back to back. And the Galaxy suffered during that time. And, and they did. This is this is where the Galaxy have been gaining some traction. We talked about games in hand and how important they were to the teams that were chasing these spots. And our RSL at one point was an 80% lock to make the playoffs. And right now they're at 57%, Kevin, uh, to make the playoffs. And it is because although they have a game in hand on the LA Galaxy, the schedule that they face now down this stretch is an extremely difficult schedule. It's one that they will be lucky if they survive. They get two wins out of this and they're going to the playoffs. Um, you know, and I, I can't, I, I need to also preface that Vancouver also is a team that is uh, knocking on the door as well. And, and matter of fact, if Vancouver wins out their final games uh, and they play on Wednesday night and then Sunday night coming up this week, if they win out their remaining three games, they're a team that automatically goes to the playoffs as well. If they win out, Vancouver will be in the playoffs. And it's a team right now that is four points behind the LA Galaxy, but they have a game in hand. And that game. Yeah, but in, look who they play. They I, play Salt, I, Sporting Kansas City yep. this week, and then they play LAFC on Sunday on yep. the road. And then, then they host Portland. No, it's a horrible schedule. Like, this is whenever we always go through this. I always had to put up with everybody on Twitter. Kevin, you and I would explain these things. And then I have to put up with everybody on Twitter throwing out all the possible scenarios that sort of come out of this. And they're like, well, technically, you could do this. And technically, you could do that. It's like, yes, Vancouver has 
a game in hand. RSL has a game in hand, or at least they did. Uh, they don't anymore, so they're even. Uh, they're even on points with the LA Galaxy. But Vancouver technically could run the table, and if they run the table, they would be in the playoffs. So at least in some chance, in some dark alley somewhere, someone in Vancouver actually believes, uh, with their 13% chance of making the playoffs, uh, that they still have a chance. It ain't going to happen. It ain't no, gonna happen. It's, it's very unlikely. And that's where you sort of go with RSL. The fact is, they're playing a New England team Kevin on Thursday, who uh, just won their first game in over a month, uh, and it was against Orlando. All right, so now New England has to travel to RSL and play this RSL team. I mean, as much as we're knocking on RSL and saying, hey, they're going to be missing a whole bunch of people and the schedule screws them, uh, New England hasn't exactly been a powerhouse as of late, but it's a team that certainly could take three points away from RSL or get a draw, which would take points against RSL. Uh, you know, you just look at all these things that could that could possibly happen, and you and I talked about it. If RSL wins the game against New England, Kevin, and the LA Galaxy lose the game at Minnesota, the, it is over. That is it. The LA Galaxy are, are done. And, and it's over because, well, the points, but also tiebreaker. And here's the deal. It, I could see Real Salt Lake losing both these games, but they still have a, they go into them with a point lead over the galaxy. It's really up to the galaxy. A lot of this depends, you know, you can sit here and, and we'll do, we're going to do that. We're going to do the math here in a minute. You can do this math as long as you want, but if the, it's the galaxy has to go out and win, nothing else matters. If the galaxy lose in Minnesota, it's pretty much done. And, and here, so if Salt Lake wins, let's just look at it this way. If Salt Lake wins against New England, right. they will have not only 49 points, giving them a four-point lead over the Galaxy, but they will have 14 wins. That's really important. Then the, because the first tiebreaker is victories. The Galaxy would have to win their final two games, no draws, win their final two games, and then they would have 14 wins. So if Real Salt Lake uh, loses to Portland, they would finish with 14 wins. Galaxy would have a superior goal differential and 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 they would it, well they would advance on points even uh, you know even in that scenario, um, but if the galaxy if the galaxy loses I think it's pretty much over. Yeah, yeah. Well, either game. Yeah, and especially you couple that with an RSL. You know the four points would be unable to to be jumped in the last uh, the last weekend. So you you look at that. Uh, no, I mean listen. I have the LA Galaxy right now as my projected was fifty one points. Uh, 51 points is what I have them projected. I look at RSL um, and even giving them a win against New England, which I did, as a matter of fact, give them a win against New England. I have them losing at Portland whenever they go back up to Portland uh, over the weekend on the short one. And I think that's being generous to them to give them a win against New England. Um, but that puts them at 49 points. The LA Galaxy would jump in and be that 51 points over 49 points, and, and that would be clear. Um, okay, so if yep. you're the Galaxy... Yes. If you're the Galaxy, so you know what happens with RSL against Real Salt Lake. Um, and then you're playing Minnesota and you're scoreboard watching. I think the games are going to start about the same time. You're kind of watching what Real Salt Lake does against Portland. They're, and as you said, they're going to be done. Let's just say that Galaxy wins and they and they have 48 points and Salt Lake in their last two games get a, get a win and a draw. So the Galaxy goes into their final game needing a victory. They have a whole week to focus on that. Yep. I wonder if it, it, what do you, it, is that a good or a bad thing? I mean, it's it's a whole. You know what you have to do. You know there's no room for error. Wh whatever it is, whether you need a draw or a win or whatever, there's no room for error. You have the whole week to focus on that. And Real Salt Lake just has to sit back and watch. Is that good for the Galaxy? I mean, that would seem to be a really nervous time for them. I mean, it, it's nervous, but isn't it always the case that you'd like to know what you need to do? I mean, isn't that isn't that what it is? Yeah, it's going to be nervous. Yeah, you're going to be, you know, hopefully a, a little tentative uh, in training, and you're going to be thinking about all these things and all the possibilities, but it's a perfect situation for the LA Galaxy to know what number they have to meet. Um, you know, it helps that they get to watch them play on Thursday. That's huge that the Galaxy get to see what happens against New England with RSL and sort of where that puts them. Then you go to Minnesota, and you understand that, and Kevin, you and I have talked about it, getting four points for the LA Galaxy out of these last two games might, and there's a good argument for it, might be enough for the Galaxy to get into the playoffs, but you're going to have a pretty good idea of what you need to do after that New England game versus RSL on Wednesday night, and you're going to get to see Vancouver versus Sporting Kansas City on the Wednesday night. So you have Wednesday and Thursday games that are both going to sort of allow you to look at how you're going to approach these games. And that's sort of why you sit there and say, you know, well, obviously Zlatan Ibrahimovic has to travel to Minnesota. Well, does he? If, if RSL loses, if Vancouver loses, now you're looking at a position where the Galaxy are saying, okay, so we need a draw. 
Uh, we need four points. Basically, that's all we need. It's all these things. So, I mean, listen, I'm a big believer that Zlatan Ibrahimovic needs to travel to Minnesota and that at the very least he's, he's put on the bench. Uh, I, I think that's almost mandatory. And hopefully you don't have to use him. The Galaxy go and run the score up early. And if you saw anything from Minnesota, which, by the way, uh, that Minnesota game against Colorado was one wacky game. There's likely to be suspensions for Minnesota uh, as well because there was a brawl at the end of that game that sort of, uh, I don't know if it was a brawl, but it certainly was some pushing and shoving and there were some red cards and some people suspended. And there's probably going to be more people suspended whenever you look at it. But Minnesota is a is a delicate mental team. Uh, they're, they're, they're mentally delicate. If you can break them and break them early, you can sort of silence Darwin Quintero, who is their leading goal scorer, leading assist player, their best player. Um, and the fact is, they scored two goals against Colorado. VAR ruled both of them um, as uh, bad goals, and, and it looks like they were correct on both of them as well. But you look at all this stuff, all these things sort of factor into this Minnesota game, and you have to put all of that. I mean, if you're Dominic Kinnear right now, you are going to be watching on Wednesday night, you're watching Vancouver, you're watching on Thursday night, you're watching the RSL New England game, and then you're coming up and making your final decision of who your starting lineup is, and everybody travels, you know, on Friday uh, that you think needs to be happened. So if you're asking for the perfect way for it to lay out for the Galaxy, Kevin, this is the perfect way for it to lay out. You're you're close, you, you have a good chance of making the playoffs, and you're going to get a ton of information midweek that's going to help you sort of decide how you attack this Minnesota game although it's certainly a game that I think the Galaxy would love to win the Galaxy went out these these last two games <clears throat> excuse me it's very likely they're in the playoffs uh, and we talked about four points possibly also putting them in the playoffs as well so there's some there's some hope there Kevin and it's realistic hope it's not it's not oh the LA Galaxy couldn't possibly make the playoffs it's you know it's a coin flip it's not quite a coin flip uh, but it's getting there it's getting closer but- but here's the other thing, and, and here's why I think that that last week could be good for the galaxy is between now and Sunday, the galaxy the, between now and Sunday, the galaxy need help. If RSL wins out, they go. Uh, the, the galaxy cannot catch them if RSL wins its final two games. They will know by Sunday if RSL has done that. And that means that the last week of the season, if the galaxy are still alive for the playoffs, their fate is in their own hands. They know they need a win. They know they need to draw. They know they they can't afford to lose. Whatever it is, it's up to the galaxy at that point. And that's a great position for a team to be in. I've been around teams where where they go into the final game of the regular season needing a big performance, whatever sport it is, needing a huge performance, but also needing help from the other teams. And they take care of their business, but the other team, the other result they need, they don't get. And it's such a deflating feeling because they did everything that they could uh, you know, in, in, in the, whatever they had in their own hands, and it wasn't enough. The Galaxy are going to know for that whole week. They're not going to have to scoreboard watch and guess and, and wonder if RSL has players injured. They're going to know. Oh, and one other thing. That's yep. my news wire. Yes, of uh, course. Uh, a release just came in. Yes. Talking about the game on Sunday. It is on ESPN and ESPN Deportes. Say that, Josh. Say e- it, Deportes. E- ESPN and ESPN Deportes. Uh, that very good. That Thank just you. came in from the galaxy. I just got that release. So it's not ESPN plus it's the big ESPN. That's how big this game has become now. Well, I was going to say it was supposed to be a spectrum sports net game, uh, the galaxy in Minnesota. And now it's an ESPN game, which by the way, it looks like there's going to be over 50,000 people in attendance. In fact, Minnesota, Yeah, they've been working on that for a while. Minnesota has, yeah, they already put out sort of some tweets and I think some press releases that advise fans to show up early uh, to this game because it is going to be packed. And so they're trying to break a, a record for soccer in Minnesota. And I think the 50,000 mark puts them over that, uh, that one. So it is going to be packed. I, I think it's the last game, right, that they're going to play at that football stadium because they're moving into the new digs next year, right? Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. I don't think they play uh, play uh, afterwards there, right? They don't play the next weekend at home. I don't know. I, I honestly didn't check past this, uh, this weekend. But uh, anyway, it's a huge game. ESPN now. Uh, for the TV, and that's going to be a, a, a big game for the Galaxy. Uh, and, you know, rightfully so. It's sort of going to depend on, you know, how everything goes, like we said, midweek, but it'll be interesting to see if Mr. Zlatan Ibrahimovic makes the trip. That's the big question. Uh, if I had, uh, if I knew the inside track, I would, of course, tell you. Uh, I don't know what the Galaxy are going to do. I don't know what Zlatan's going to do. It's, it's a situation that really we never, we haven't seen him in. Him playing at Portland was sort of, you know, the first foray into turf 
And now you look, Kevin, and say that he hasn't played on turf anywhere else. And so now he's uh, he's sort of sitting here. And he, in fact, he missed the All-Star game, so he wouldn't play on turf. Uh, and now you're sitting here saying, okay, is uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic going to in possibly one of the biggest games? If, New England, uh, if RSL wins, Kevin, all of a sudden that Minnesota game becomes ridiculously important. Um, you need the three. Really, you need three points. And you're probably going to need three points against Houston as well. Um, so it's all stuff that's going to be really interesting to see uh, with Zlatan Ibrahimovic and how that goes. Well, we don't know what Zlatan is going to do, but we know what he did. Last Friday, he met with the Thai soccer team. You might remember those guys were the ones that were trapped in that cave in Thailand. Uh, met with the Thai soccer players. They filmed an episode of the Ellen DeGeneres show on Friday, but no one could talk about that. It was all hush-hush yep. until the episode aired Monday. Um, and the team actually trained with the Galaxy last weekend. And Zlatan said, talking about the team, he said, I thought I was brave, but this team is more brave than me. They show their collective work and patience. This is probably the best team in the world. And, you know, you don't see Zlatan um, taking the, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Usually it's Zlatan, uh, you know, pumping himself up. Usually he doesn't turn the attention to the others, but uh, this was a, a, a rare and deserved case in which he allowed the other people in the room to have the spotlight uh, talking about these um, 12 little uh, youth soccer players from Thailand and their coach too their coach was was really the guys that, the guy that kept them alive during that whole ordeal so um, that was nice to see and I, as, as I said they came out and trained with the galaxy for a little bit on Friday I don't know that Anyone got signed to the academy, but they did have a chance to come out there and play. Yeah, they did a little bit. I was told that uh, Zlatan really enjoys this type of thing, Kevin. He really, he, he listen, you see him, Kevin. This is a guy who's one of the biggest, you know, world superstars in soccer uh, over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Uh, you look at what Zlatan Ibrahimovic has done, and he's a guy who always walks through the player's tunnel to make sure that he can sign autographs after he leaves after the game, whether they win or lose. Uh, this is a guy who loves talking to kids, who loves sort of pumping them up and, and just discussing things with them and so he really digs these kinds of situations and and certainly highlights his sort of his childlike side uh, on occasion whenever he gets to hang out with these kids so it was pretty cool I'll, I'll tell you this uh they trained with the la galaxy on friday um and like you said it was all uh, all embargoed as as we say uh so we couldn't talk about it and sort of one of those things that you could hear and then afterwards they went to the lafc game they would have gone to an la galaxy game of course they don't have a game they didn't have a game this weekend so they went to the lafc game and that is the game that got delayed i think by almost two two and a half hours thunder lightning everything else uh torrential downpour all sorts of fun stuff but uh that's where they went on friday night so just some uh some interesting stuff from zlatan and seeing that uh seeing that come out from the la galaxy it was a, a cool little moment and certainly some good press for la galaxy if you're seeing zlatan of course went on the ellen show and was wearing his la galaxy kit uh when he did so so uh some good press there and it seemed like everybody uh enjoyed that so all you know i, all good I saw him the other day coming out of the tunnel before a game you know how they come out and they have uh, they, they have kids by the hand the the one of the kids that Zalatan was with was a very young toddler and was having trouble keeping up. So Zalatan, I think it was a girl. Zalatan picked her up and carried her on the field with him. Yeah, um, that's a picture that's going to make Daddy proud. I was going to say no. It's certainly it's it's one of those again. I, the guy's heart, and it certainly wasn't something I expected whenever he came here, Kevin. And we've said it many many times. But you look at what Zlatan Ibrahimovic is and the character that he plays, and you get it. Uh, the wink and the nod and the smiling and the stuff that he does. But he has he is a genuinely big heart. And he likes to spend it with kids, and uh, he likes talking about soccer with them or anything else they want to. He seems he's just a big kid himself, quite honestly. Uh, just a a very good uh, soccer player kid. Uh, so he's a he's a good one to have. But uh, speaking of kids, uh, also cited at LA Galaxy training uh, last week, uh, it looked like Efren Alvarez was training with the senior team. Uh, so obviously, 16-year-old Efren Alvarez down with uh, USL team, USL side LA Galaxy two, um, and he has been for most of the season. Uh, and he was there actually training with the senior team. So I got a bunch of messages saying, "Hey, Josh, does that mean that Efren is going to be available for the uh, for these next last two games? Because that makes a ton of sense." And I said, "No, that makes zero sense to me. Uh, what's more than likely is that with the USL season now over, Kevin, uh, that Efren Alvarez gets to train up with the senior team uh, in preparation, probably next." year for him getting some significant minutes at least that's my uh, my view on it I don't know who the new LA Galaxy coach will be and how they view that but uh, Efren Alvarez at 16 years old uh, you want to start getting him first team minutes and that needs to happen uh, you know next year starting next year well there could be some openings there uh, on, on on Galaxy 2 
Um, yeah, you, you had uh, Alex Alex Mendez and Yuli Yanez, which we talked about last time, uh, both gone to Germany. Um, so they the the LA Galaxy Academy products uh, playing with LA Galaxy two uh, off to Germany, Kevin. So there's uh, there's a bunch of spots there uh, on LA Galaxy two that are opening up, and we talked a little bit about that uh, last time. But uh, the USL season wasn't exactly a uh, uh, let's see a boost of confidence for any of those kids, at least uh, at least not results wise. No, Galaxy uh, 2, 10, 10, 17, and 7, which is actually an improvement over last year. Over the last two seasons, um, remember under Kurtanoffel, the first three seasons, they made it to the playoffs. They made it to the conference quarterfinals. In fact, each of those seasons, at least the conference quarterfinals, they went beyond that. At least, uh, in, like at least the conference quarterfinals each of the first three years. The last two years, they're 18, 36, and 12. Last year, they had a minus 32 goal differential. And I point all this out just to go back to – the idea a season ago that we were going to have academy players, we're going to have young players from LA Galaxy 2 coming up, and that was going to be the way of the future, and that's how the Galaxy, uh, the first division team, that's how they were going to win. And obviously that was a disaster waiting to happen, despite the fact Chris Klein, the front office, insisted they liked last year's team with Nathan Smith and et al. They liked that team better than the Nigel DeJong, Steven Girard uh, Robbie Keane team they had the year before that. And, and uh, you know, imagine if they had gone forward and kept that experiment and, and hadn't let Kurt go and brought in Ziggy and, and sort of redid the whole first team roster with 12 changes uh, over the winter. Um, you know, the academy is just hemorrhaging players. You said two going to Germany. Um, and, you know, when you look at Galaxy 2's record, certainly the guys that are down there are not learning to play Galaxy-style football because they're not winning. Um I don't know what you know. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I when the academy was there and Pete was in charge of the academy and Kurt was running LA Galaxy two, everything seemed to be humming. And, and maybe you move those guys out of those positions and give them other responsibilities. And in in Kurt's case, he went on to become Galaxy coach. You know, Pete moved over to sort of become a general manager, and the positions they left fell apart too. Um, you know, I have to think that some people over at StubHub Center would like to have a, a time machine and go back and start all over again because, it, you know, the first team didn't work out too well. Now LA Galaxy 2 seems to be imploding. Well, I mean, you have to look at what happened, though, and and understand, you know, really what you hit, did and what Kurt Anolfo had and, and all those players that Kurt Anolfo relied to, upon on LA Galaxy 2, Kevin, went up to the senior team and then Siggy Schmidt released them all. Uh, so you're talking about the core, the majority of the starters that the LA Galaxy 2 uh, used to rely on are no longer there. So you talk about rebuilding or starting over. They had to start over just the same as the first team had to start over. And it's that rebuilding process. I mean, you certainly and, got... And you're right. Mike Munoz, who's the coach of Galaxy 2, is now also the, the academy director. So he's doing two jobs uh, where he had, uh, you know, Pete and Kurt doing those two jobs in the past. Is is he officially the academy director, or is there nobody in that position? Because last I heard, there was nobody in that position. Correct. He's, I believe, he, he he has listed at least somewhere on the website as the academy director. But yeah, that's probably a more accurate way to put it. There is nobody in charge of that. So I, I, I assume. I, well, obviously things are falling to the cracks, but I assume there's someone there that's supposed to be taking care of those things, at least signing the checks or whatever has to be done. Yeah. But. Yeah, uh, Mike Munoz is essentially in charge of, of two positions, even though he may not be handling the day-to-day responsibilities. Yeah, he is. So Coach of LA Galaxy 2. Not gr- fair for him. Not fair for him at no, all. No, not at all. And by the way, we've had Mike on the podcast a bunch. Mike is a great guy uh, and, and really does understand you know, how this is supposed to work. I think if you've given him enough time that he'll get LA Galaxy 2 pointed in the right direction again. But really, it's about, you know, I'll tell you this right now, and, and we talked about it so many times over the years as LA Galaxy 2 was doing well uh, in their first three seasons, is that it's not about winning for LA Galaxy 2. It's about developing players. So... Really, the measuring stick isn't about these wins and doesn't really matter, although it certainly always matters in everybody's minds, and I understand uh, how that looks for the organization whenever you have a first team that struggles and a second team that is struggling. Um, But it's about producing these guys for the senior team. So if you can get a guy like Efren Alvarez coming up now uh, who's gone through the academy, who's gone through uh, you know his first year as a professional soccer player uh, with LA Galaxy 2 and move him into the senior team, and that's a successful transition, then technically LA Galaxy 2 is doing what it's supposed to be doing and the academy system is doing what it's supposed to be doing. And like we always say, there's going to be way more failures in trying to develop young players than there ever are going to be successes. And so the Galaxy have had 
limited success, if you want to call Giassi Zardes one of those, maybe Dave Romney, uh, maybe some Dan Starez as well, as, as in terms of successes, uh, there's been a lot of failures there as well. So it's it's just you have to sort of gauge that and see how it's developing. I think this year was probably a, a little bit step in the right direction there, Kevin. They also play an extremely young team compared to the rest of USL. So yeah. the LA Galaxy 2 is supposed to be developmental. I don't. I tend not to panic with LA Galaxy 2 results, but it doesn't look good. You know, the health of the organization, something we talk about all the time, Kevin. Uh, the health of the entire organization doesn't look good whenever you don't have people in positions and you have open positions that aren't being filled and aren't, aren't you know, all this stuff is, is not a one big, well-oiled machine. You can tell it's not, and it's starting and stopping and skipping and jumping. Well, what kills the galaxy or what, what hurts them is the expectations. And, and the expectations are great. The fact that the fans expect the Galaxy to win and the Galaxy 2 to win and the Academy to produce players, that's what an organization and a franchise would die to have. And the Galaxy have that because they have been uh, the class of MLS and and uh, the Academy system and everything else. They sort of invented the whole idea of a USL farm club uh, or at least pioneered it. Uh, so the Galaxy track record has been so great that fans, the media, the players expect the team you know, the organization to be the best in the league. And when they struggle, even a little bit, I mean, here's a team trying to get into the playoffs and we talk about the scenarios and they're, they're still very much alive going into the final two weeks of the season. Hey, there's a lot of teams across the league that would love to be in that position. Uh, but here it's expected. And the fact that they're fighting for a playoff position is almost a disappointment. They should have it wrapped up by now. They should be fighting for supporter shield. Um, the same thing with the USL team. They make the playoffs the first three years. They're the class. Uh, you know, again, they pioneered the idea of a USL farm club. They're the class of, of USL, too. Um, and now they're struggling. And all of a sudden, you know, you again, look at other teams. The Seattle Sounders USL team is really struggling. And I don't know that people in Seattle are, are actually very concerned. But the Galaxy just set the bar so high over the years. Um, that it's it you know when they struggle even a little bit and teams do need sometimes to rebuild or or our teams need to find their way again and find their footing uh, with the galaxy it's very noticeable the people here are not very patient nor should they be but there are two things that are going on this winter that I think are really really important to get this galaxy uh, situation turned around and again they could make the playoffs they could win the MLS Cup right and it's not funny talking about them trying to get back on 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 equal footing but they do have to find a coach. Uh, they, you know, they, they're saying Dominic Kinnear's interim coach. This would be Chris Klein's third head coaching hire in two years. He has to get this right. The Galaxy cannot be neither one of the other two guys, Kurt or Ziggy, finished the full season. So he has to get this right. You can't keep doing this. So that's number one. And the other, the other thing is, Efren Alvarez is a once in a generation talent. From everything that we've seen and heard, now maybe he takes the step up to the to the uh, big leagues and and he struggles. We don't know that yet. He's still a kid. He's still a teenager, uh, still a high schooler. But from everything that we've seen and heard. Of him, uh, he's the real deal. It's a once-in-a-generation talent. You talked about Dave Romney, a good MLS player, Giassi's artist, a national team player. Ephraim Alvarez is supposed to be way better than both those guys put together. The Galaxy have got to get this right as well. They've got to bring him along, introduce him into the league, keep expectations at a minimum, and bring him along the right way because this is a guy that could be potentially uh, you know, a, a, a franchise changer over the next decade. Yeah, absolutely could. And, uh, of course, I, everybody was hot and, and bothered with uh, Grant Wall reporting over the weekend that uh, Greg Burhalter is a target of the LA Galaxy, something that you and I, Kevin, as you rightly pointed out on Twitter, have been saying for a while. Uh, basically, since uh, since uh, Ziggy Schmidt was let go, we said he that Greg even, Burhalter... Ziggy hadn't even cleaned out his desk and we were talking about We were Greg talking about Burhalter. Greg Burhalter. So he still seems like he's a candidate, uh, but he also seems like he is the absolute number one choice for the U.S. men's national team, uh, whether or not that happens or not. I think that announcement's supposed to come around November uh, for the U.S. men's national team. So if for some reason it goes away from Greg Berhalter, the L.A. Galaxy certainly would uh, would and probably are right now pulling out all the stops to get Greg Berhalter to come to the L.A. Galaxy from the Columbus crew. Um, that would be an interesting signing, certainly with the fact that he has a history uh, uh, with the team and was one of their first uh, I think he was the first league's ever player coach um, player assistant coach which he was uh, certainly helped the defense in terms of developing Omar Gonzalez and AJ De La Garza into the defensive pairing that they were so you look at uh, Greg Berhalter and what he has done and he knows Chris Klein and he knows all these guys him coming in and taking over complete control of the reins in my 
you know, in my, I don't, I don't know, maybe unpopular opinion would be one of the best case scenarios for the LA Galaxy. I certainly think that there are some people who think that Greg Berhalter isn't a big enough name for the LA Galaxy. Uh, but the other option there seems to be Caleb Porter right now, Kevin. And if Caleb Porter is that guy, uh, that to me is much more of a step down for the LA Galaxy. And, and I would think that they would want to go international more than they would want to really sit and maybe maybe settle for somebody like Caleb Porter. I, I think it's going to be super interesting in the offseason to see sort of which way it falls. But the LA Galaxy, uh, San Jose already has a coach. Uh, as we talked about on Monday, Kevin, and so their pressure is on for the Galaxy to find a coach and to get it right. I think San Jose made a great hire, um, but now it's up to the LA Galaxy to do better, quite honestly. They need to do better than what San Jose did. Uh, I don't know if Caleb Porter is that. Uh, well, there's a, there's a lot of moving parts. First of all, Greg Berhalter is the sporting director in Columbus, and he would absolutely demand to have the same title and same responsibilities here, which I think the Galaxy would be wise to say yes. It worked with Bruce Arena. Uh, they seem to have stymied um, uh, Ziggy Schmidt and a lot of the things that he tried to do, he was supposed to have that power, although it wasn't uh, necessarily in his job title. But he believed in the last year that he had that, and, and they seemed to stymie him. They would have to give Greg Berhalter complete control, and they'd have to stop saying no, which is what they did with Ziggy. Um, I, I think the Galaxy should embrace that. Again, it worked with Bruce, and the people in the front office now seem to have little acumen for doing that. So, uh, you know, if it's not working, uh, we got to fix it, and Greg Berhalter would fix that. The timing for the national team thing, I think, is interesting. We're hearing, as you said, early to mid-November. That seems to me like someone is guessing that Columbus will be out of the playoffs in early to mid-November, and then it, it's fair to to take their coach. You don't want to you don't want to tell everybody in Columbus, the players and the opponents, that all of a sudden the coach in this playoff game is a lame duck that he's not going to be back. So it seems to me that they're waiting for Columbus's season to end, and that's when it may be announced. But you're right that this the fallback right now for the Galaxy seems to be Porter. Uh, one thing he has going well, he's he's been a great coach at the college level, and he won an MLS title with Portland. Uh, he's also Chris Klein's former college roommate, and you know. Chris Klein's a little embattled right now. It wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be a stunning decision if he decided to go out and hire a coach that he has a history with that he knows is going to be loyal to him. And I think that's one thing that Porter would bring. But you're you're also right about the the San Jose hiring, a big hiring, big name hiring, really does put the pressure on the Galaxy, and it may eliminate some guys who might otherwise be candidates. Like I'm thinking of a guy like Mark Dos Santos, the assistant over at LAFC, who was rumored to be. Uh, the number one contender in Vancouver hasn't been hired there yet, was also rumored to be in line for the San Jose job. Obviously didn't get that. He is a good uh, a good coach. He coached in in, uh, in Montreal before, um, would be a probably a pretty good MLS coach, but he would be a guy who's not a big name. Right. And uh, the San Jose decision may force the Galaxy to move away from those mid-level candidates who may turn out to be great coaches and go for the big name just to sort of save face. Well, there was also a rumor, at least uh, somebody I was talking to and, and kicking around some things, saying that the Galaxy were interested in somebody in Europe. And while it wasn't like a number one guy in Europe, it was an assistant coach in Europe. Something like that could work out very well if it's a big name club this person is coming from and somebody with a little bit of pedigree uh, in, in terms of being an assistant coach for a while or or different things. Don't know who they were targeting or who they were looking at or whether or not that was even uh, you know the, the correct information, but it certainly opens up the whole international coach idea idea to a different level, not just the main guys who you've heard of throughout the years who have been those number one guys, but also the number two guys, the guys who are second in command, who are looking to branch out sort of on their own, and MLS and the LA Galaxy would be a landing spot for them, but then you go into having an international coach come in, have to understand MLS, and whether or not you then bring in a general manager, and usually those two things happen in reverse order, which is you bring in a general manager, and then that person picks a coach, uh, so that way there's somebody that they can work with and, and they understand each other, so... It'll be interesting to see, again, this offseason exactly how the Galaxy can attack this and whether or not they make uh, an announcement and a name that is equal to uh, the expectations of the fans, uh, the expectation of the league, and the expectation of the city of Los Angeles and what they expect from you know big-name coaches for big-name teams. Uh, it's, it's a conundrum currently. They may be stuck between a rock and a hard place whenever their number one, Greg Berhalter, goes to the U.S. men's national team. A conundrum and a rock and a hard place. You want to try any more cliches? No, or, that's I, it. I, I was going to say another thing that's uh, working against Mark Dos Santos is the galaxy is already full up on Dos Santos's, right? Yeah, that you, you can't, can't have, have anymore. Trace Dos Santos's. No, that's 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 three too many, two too many, one too many, yeah. one two too many. Well, I two would too. argue they have at least one too many right now, but 
that's just me. That's just you, of course. And most of the fans. Well, you know, you could open up some room for another Dos Santos if you really wanted to. If this rumor is uh, to be believed, and I certainly saw people saying there's no way this rumor is true. It's impossible. He would never go. The Galaxy would never do it. But according to uh, at least a tweet, and uh, whether or not you can take any sort of uh, solace in a tweet, uh, there the Montreal Impact would be interesting inquiring uh, Frenchman Roman Alessandrini, uh, designated player for the LA Galaxy, for the 2019 season. Um, so, again, this is something that we talked about beforehand, and somebody, my good friend Chris Tucker, uh, Zero, rightly corrected me whenever I said, listen, there could be something to this because you look at the, you know, the tradable assets that the LA Galaxy have and the way that they can move things and open up space and sort of do different things is to move Ramon Alessandrini, and we said that at the beginning of this year, and I think it remains through the rest of this year. Granted, he's been injured uh, this year, Kevin, but he has... Uh, 10 goals this season. Um, he has been, when he's on the field, uh, you know, one of the guys who the Galaxy can sort of rely on to create that offensive pressure. Uh, and I'm sure it's somebody that the Montreal Impact would definitely be interested in getting. I think there would be lots of teams who would be interested in getting Roman Alessandrini. Uh, that being said, though, it seems unlikely that the Galaxy would make that move unless they had to open up space for somebody like, I don't know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic because he wanted more money. And if you don't, don't give him more money, he's going to go away and play somewhere else. Just, just throw it yeah, I mean, I in you know going to Montreal, there's the added benefit for Alessandrini that it's a French-speaking city. Although he's done a great job learning English, I think it's it's his uh, fiance who's really struggled with the language. Um, you keep hearing about all these trade rumors and stuff, and and the one guy that uh, you know still remains uncertain, in my opinion, the best the, the guy that they they should move is Gio, and that's the guy that seems to be talked about, but uh, a little bit, but that salary keeps getting in the way. Yeah, well, and it's also the fact that Gio hasn't really done anything to warrant anybody wanting him. Now, I, I think I said on last Monday's show, and again, there was no Thursday show, so you didn't miss anything in between them if you didn't catch a, a Thursday show. But on Monday uh, was that I had talked to somebody who said that there he felt, this person felt that there was a market for Giovanni Dos Santos, that there were probably some places in, in Mexico and also around um, around the, the world that would happily take Giovanni Dos Santos, and whether or not the salary number would be a real hindrance, he didn't think would be a, a, that that big of a deal, that it could be something that could be worked out, but that you needed somebody like the LA Galaxy to be committed to moving him. Uh, and I think that right now that the LA Galaxy don't have that commitment and haven't had that commitment. And we talked about the rumors of him possibly being shopped earlier this year. And while I'm sure there was some questions or at least some, some general discussions of, hey, Maybe we should get rid of Gio. I don't think it ever got beyond that point. And even though we had reports that possibly Giovanni Dos Santos was on his way out or at least had been shopped heavily by the LA Galaxy, uh, it seems now that I would say that you have to really minimize those reports from anything that you've seen. And so without the Galaxy being committed to move him, Kevin, I don't see him going anywhere. And if they're not committed to move him this year, what makes them committed to wanting to move him next year? Yeah, I mean, the Galaxy got into this mess because it was the shiny object syndrome. They had a guy out there that Jovan had been chasing for years, goes back to the like, wiki times. The player changed from the beginning of this romance to the time that he actually arrived, and he's changed since he got here. Um, and and the, the Galaxy, in my opinion, made a mistake by locking him into that long-term high-money contract, which they probably had to do, but now he's locked in for three years, and the money is so much that it you know, he's not going to walk away from it. And the, it, the Galaxy, um, you know, it, they have trouble parting with him as well because it would be so expensive to do it. I mean, it would be expensive and it also wouldn't be. I think over the life of his contract through this 2018 season, he, the Galaxy have paid him roughly $17 million. Um, yeah, $17.6 million is through 2018. If you're but the worth of the deal, when you include the transfer fee and everything else, I was told at the beginning was something akin to $34 million is what they yeah. actually had to spend to get him through the 2019 season. If that is the case... Then they then the deal gets worse. I mean, it doesn't get better. Uh, and the bottom line is that they owe him six and a half million dollars probably for next year if his contract ratchets up the way that I expect it to. It's been going up about five hundred thousand dollars per year. So you look at him in twenty nineteen, and he should be six and a half million dollars up from six million dollars. And if that's the case, Kevin, and you've already spent or you will have spent through that entire time, you know, thirty four million dollars. Then what's it to spend six and a half million dollars and write it off at this point? Because you've certainly already spent the bulk of your money trying to keep this guy and trying to get him happy and that hasn't happened 
Um, so, you know, maybe you can get somebody to take them for, you know, two or three million dollars and you end up, you know, sort of harboring the rest of that. Uh, and so you only pay three and a half million dollars to him in the season for him not to play for your team. To me, that starts to make financial sense, being that you've seen how little impact he has had on the L.A. Galaxy this year, the number of minutes that he's played. And I'm told that, by the way, his injury, uh, the quad injury is a real injury uh, and that he is trying to recover from it. And that's about all I'll say about that. That's that well, seems to be it. Because I have the gift of total recall, I can, and also because I have Google right here in front of me, I can tell you that on July 15th, 2015, Kevin Baxter reported in the Los Angeles Times uh, that, um, that the, the uh, four-and-a-half-year contract that they gave to Gio Dos Santos back in 2015 was reportedly worth, and this was confirmed by a front office official, was reportedly worth $27 million. Add in the $7 million transfer fee they played, paid to Viriel, and the right for Dos Santos and the deal's uh, value swells to $34 million, the most expensive in franchise history. So it was $34 million uh, for the uh, four-and-a-half-year contract for I was going to say, but you can't trust that guy. I know that guy. You can't trust what he says. I mean, <laughs> Fake news. Fake news. Exactly. That's what it is. Okay, so anyway, so that, that's, that's always interesting, uh, things how it goes. All right, so that sort of takes us through the rumors and everything else. We are going to get to voting, uh, and the voting for the most valuable player on the LA Galaxy and the voting for Defender of the Year. We're going to get to that at the end, so I wanted to tease you with that just as we go through a couple of these last things and you think that you don't oh, want to listen. I am, and I, I didn't want people to just be like, oh, they're just going to talk about some stuff that's not really that big. There, there's some dates and stuff that I wanted to get to uh, before we do it. MLS Cup playoffs and how it shapes up in the Western Conference right now. Uh, FC Dallas has clinched a spot. LAFC has clinched a spot. And Sporting Kansas City has clinched a spot. Uh, Portland at 51 points. Seattle at 50. Real Salt Lake at 46. The LA Galaxy at 45. And Vancouver at 43 points. All vying for those last three positions with two of those likely locked up with Portland and Seattle taking positions four and five. And the last spot up to three teams uh really two teams whenever you look at probably the schedule but we'll say it's three teams rsl la galaxy and vancouver uh the teams eliminated from the western conference are minnesota houston colorado and the san jose earthquakes who are vying for the worst record in major league soccer and will soon probably be owners of the wooden spoon uh, so that's how it sits in the Western Conference. If you're traveling out on Thursday and you decide that you do not want to watch this RSL New England game, maybe you're just a nervous Nelly uh, and you think you're going to jinx anything that you watch, uh, I understand that. Well, then you can head to the LA Kings game because they are hosting an LA Galaxy night at Staples Center on Thursday. You get a drawstring backpack and a specially branded Zlatan Ibrahimovic t-shirt with your ticket. Again, that game is on Thursday night for the LA Galaxy uh, or excuse, LA Galaxy night at uh, the Kings at Staples Center. So uh, you so Zlatan, by the way, as a youth, was a very good hockey player and almost gave up soccer for hockey when he was around 15 or 16. Can you imagine him playing hockey with how tall he is? Doesn't he seem like he would be a very, very tall hockey player? Well, there are there are some big, some tall hockey players, and when they put the skates on, they look amazing. They just look like gigantic. Most of those guys are defenders, though. Zlatan doesn't strike me as having the personality to be a defender, a guy that's going to lay down in front of an opposing team's shot. No. Um, no, he, he seems to me that he would definitely be a forward. Um, and, yes, he would be extremely tall for forward. And the problem in hockey, and not to get too deep into the woods, but you got to bend over and get down to the ice. And when you're, you're six foot five, you got to bend over a long way. You need a huge stick to do that. Big stick. Giant stick. That's what I heard. Uh, <laughs> Double entendre there. <laughs> what? Just, I don't know what you're <laughs> talking stop about. Stop right there. Uh, MLS announces the 2019 Combine and Super Draft dates. So uh, if you're already paying attention to the 2019 season, the MLS 2019 Player Combine will be held January 3rd through 9th at Orlando City's stadium in orlando in florida uh so if you want to go down there and see the mostly college players come in and and get ready for that draft the mls super draft itself will take place on january 11th in chicago uh and of course fc cincinnati the expansion team will have the overall first pick so that's something to keep an eye on uh if you're also looking forward to uh something that is actually starting as we speak right now october 15th uh you have the mls uh caribbean combine uh you have october 15th through 18th uh in kingston Jamaica, and then October 22nd through 25th in Bridgetown, Barbados. Uh, that's where the region's top players under the age of 24 will go in for the uh, Caribbean Combine. So I want to uh, go to that. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. That's corporate jet time. Let's go. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. All right. So I think we've gotten through most of that stuff. We've gotten you ready for the playoffs. We've told you how important Thursday night is for the LA galaxy. And can, can yeah. I, can I make one more comment yes, on, go on ahead. that? We just said Cincinnati FC is the only pick in the expansion draft this year, right? No. Uh, yes. 
I believe so. Okay, yes. so uh, just going over the name again. Again, remember the league is Major League Soccer, okay? Yes. Major League Soccer. FC yeah. stands for football club. So now yeah. we have Cincinnati FC. We have Atlanta United FC. We have New York City FC. Yeah, but what? why we, do you keep— We have Toronto FC. Wait, it keeps going. Toronto FC. We have FC Dallas. We have LAFC. We have Seattle Sounders FC. We have Vancouver Whitecats FC and Minnesota— United FC. Can we stop with the FC for effing out loud already? No, no. And you know why? Because it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter. This is I, when people get hung up on this. I realize that they that they don't that they're not really paying attention to what's going on. It doesn't matter. In in the United States, we call it football. We call it soccer. It doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. You can use it both. If I wrote an no, article, no, but it's like when the Canadian Football League had two teams named uh, Rough Riders. I think it was. They had like seven teams and two teams with the same na- name. The first FC gets to be FC. Everybody else has to pick something else. No, because that's not that's not a soccer tradition. That's not how it works. All of these things are football clubs or they're soccer clubs. It's not. You don't have teams with the same name. Granted, I think there are too many Uniteds in the uh, in. Well, in you Major know what United soccer. comes from? It's when back in the day, a village or a small town had two teams and they came together as one and they were united yep so uh, minnesota united so there were two teams two professional teams in minneapolis maybe one in st paul and they decided hey you know what let's form one team and so they united no they just took the name to sound european because there's no imagination in mls that i agree with that i agree with the whole there's too many uniteds but there aren't there you could never have too many fcs and you can't have too many scs because those are just descriptions of something already you have dallas dallas is the name of the club that's easy and they're a football club cool works for me like you, so you, you like FC. I like FC, SC, anything that you want to call a soccer team, a soccer team, a football team. If I wrote an article on the website and said football, 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 I th- there should be zero complaints. And if I wrote soccer, 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 there should be no complaints. And if I switched off between the two during, there should be no complaints. They're the same oh, thing. I don't have a problem with that. I just have the name. And so when it comes to FC, I have to say to you, Josh, F you. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe that. That's, that's, you know what? That's showing your age. That's showing you're getting old and crotchety in your old age. You're the get off my porch, you FCs. That's what you're saying. And, and it just, yeah. it doesn't make sense. It's, it's not a thing to argue about. There's so many things you can argue about. There are too many Uniteds. Cool. Uh, you know, the old MLS teams, including the Galaxy, um, that haven't rebranded, they, their names sound weird, like the New England Revolution, uh, you know, that type of thing. They're not in the same same sort of way of MLS 3.0 where you have just Atlanta or you have Dallas or you have, uh, you know, Seattle, um, even though Seattle Chicago is the Sounders. Fire. Or Chicago, Chicago Fire. See, I mean, technically now the old teams are off-brand from really what is happening in Major League Soccer because you're going to have Miami. Um, you know, you're going to have in, by inter Miami. I just, I see that is so see, see again. Oh, let's give it a European sounding name because I love it that because then people will think it's real football. It's just I like when it. you turn on TV and it, the, the announcer has a British accent and you say, Oh, this guy knows about soccer. Please you, you, just remember you're the same person who doesn't like esports. All right. This is, I just well, want to yeah, put everybody. When you talk about crotchety and keeping people off my lawn. <laughs> I don't have to worry about Zalatan because my lawn is artificial turf. I was going to say, that's what, that's what it is. You and esports. This is the, it's, that's where the argument's going until already. Anyway, having said I'm waiting all for this that, whole internet thing to just, it's just a fad. It's, it's just a fad. I know it will. I know it will. Uh, let's go to the media voting. Uh, by some strange stroke of, uh, I think somebody made a mistake, quite honestly. I think they had the email from last year and they're like, oh, let's do voting for, M- for LA Galaxy MVP and LA Galaxy Defender of the Year. And for some strange reason, Kevin, they are actually going to let the, the press vote for major uh, for the most valuable player. Now, you'll remember, uh, last year they let the press vote for M- most valuable player, but the year before that, they took that vote out of the uh, the press's hands, and they gave it to the fans, and the fans went and took uh, Giovanni Dos Santos and elevated him to the most valuable player uh, award, and uh, that came down at the expense of, uh, of Yella Van Damme, who was clearly the most valuable player and defender of the year, and would have been the first LA Galaxy player in LA Galaxy history, Kevin, to win both defender of the year and and MVP in the same season, and that was easily the right choice. And having pulled most of the media members, I would have told you that that's exactly what would have happened. So I figured this year, with a clear front runner like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the LA Galaxy would once again allow the fans to pick, and it would be a popularity contest. And Zlatan Ibrahimovic would finish first, and Giovanni 
Dos Santos would probably finish second. Uh, that's what I fi- figured for MVP. So, uh, by again, by I'm sure they made a mistake, Kevin. They actually are letting us, once again, the media, vote for, major, uh, for most valuable player on the LA Galaxy and Defender of the Year. You and I have already turned in our ballots, and we are ready to reveal the results of those ballots. So do you want to go first or, or me go Drum first? Drum roll, please. Now, now, here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing, Kevin. Is that they made us vote three deep on this? Okay, now you couldn't just you couldn't just put one name three times. That's cheating. You can't do it. You actually have to have three deep on each side. So if we start with MVP or we start Defender of the Year, let's go with our number three picks and work our way up to, num- to number one. Well, so. I think you know on MVP, uh, obviously there's one winner, but yes. I mean I, I could see how you can code a couple deep and just, you know, have a second place finisher defender of the year was a little more difficult, but player of the year, my number three pick was Dave Romney. A lot of, you know, versatility. He played all over the back line when he uh, was inserted in the position that he's best at where he's playing. Now the team took off. Uh, I think when they went on that long unbeaten streak early in the season, uh, Romney started uh, was starting then too, because it was the, the injury problems that they were going through then. And Romney was playing every game. Um, I, I just think his versatility when he's on the field, things change. His work rate is very high. I think Dave Romney deserved to be number three on my vote for MVP. All right, so MVP, my number three is Jonathan Dos Santos, a guy who we didn't realize he was that important to the LA Galaxy until there was a switch of formation, and now with him in the center, paired with Sebastian Legette, is possibly one of the most important players, and had he played there the entire season, he still wouldn't have beat the number one, but he possibly could have come in to number two. Jonathan Dos Santos is my number three MVP in just a short amount of time, realizing how important he is uh, to this club. All right, you're number two for MVP. My number two is uh, Ola Kamara. Um, I, I think without Ibra, he would have been, well, clearly he would have been the focus of the offense. I think he had a good season. Took him a little while to adjust to Ibra, um, but deserves to be the number two guy. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Ola Kamara is the number two. Uh, I would I would focus on his the amount of work that he does off the ball in order to orbit around Zlatan Ibrahimovic and feed the lion as much as he can and make runs to open up space for Zlatan uh, is completely undervalued. Uh, he's underrated in this season. He's a guy who has scored a bunch of goals as well and done a really good job in a second in support role, a, a role that he probably didn't sign up for whenever he came. So Ola Kamara is the number two and our number Very one. Very unselfish too. Yeah, very unselfish. And our number one, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and there is no uh, no question about that. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You, you picked Zl- I, I took Gary Lasseter. Oh, of course you did. I figured. Uh, I, I will say this. Having pulled just a small number of people, Zlatan Ibrahimovic will, uh, will be named your most valuable player. Uh, you think? Yeah, I'm going out on a limb there. Okay, Defender of the Year. Let's get through it quickly. I know we're, uh, we're towards the end. And you need to go eat because yes. the, there are a lot of good restaurants in Dallas that you need to go to, right? Yes, they they love pandas. Panda Express is open down yeah, the street. I was going to say number three. I'll just go through them quickly. Yep, then I'll just go. go from you. Know, you want me to go one by one? Ashley Cole was my pick as as the as the third guy. Okay, Ashley Cole is yours. Uh, Rolf Felcher is my third. Number two, I have Jordan Shelvick. Jorgen Most Sh- expensive defender in the league. I, I think you're way overreaching there. For me, uh, the number two defender of the year uh, is Ashley Cole. I had him number three, so I think you're wrong. He should have been three. Uh, of course. Uh, and then your number one? Well, if I had him as one of the most valuable players, I have to go with Dave Romney. Again, the versatility, able to play everywhere, effective, the work rate, unselfishness. I just think he's – actually, he's a perfect defender when you think about it. Versatile, high work rate, unselfish. That's what you want in the defender. Not only that, but uh, when I've seen and I asked a bunch of people uh, – and by the way, I agree. Number one, Dave Romney for Defender of the Year. I asked a bunch of people to send it in, and they had Ashley Cole sitting above Dave Romney. I would say that there is no way on God's green earth that Ashley Cole has outplayed Dave Romney this year. You can certainly look at Ashley Cole in terms of assists and the eight assists that he's provided this year. And on the offensive side of the ball, that's great. But as Defender of the Year – I want a defender, somebody who is playing defense, and Ashley Cole. Uh, I have praised him endlessly uh, from beginning to finish since he came here to the uh, to the LA Galaxy and showed everybody that he was wrong, and certainly I was wrong about him as well. Uh, Ashley Cole is great, has been great, and it's a shame that the LA Galaxy will not give him anything, you know, as a uh, as a final trophy. It seems uh, to sort of mark his career with the LA Galaxy and, and possibly mark the end of his career. But Ashley Cole has not been a better defender than Dave Romney this year, and there's no doubt about it in my mind. I, I think there will be some media votes for him. I think he may come in number one on a couple, but I think that Dave Romney actually will win this Defender of the Year. It's not just us in a bubble, Kevin. I think that there is uh, some support behind Dave Romney for Defender of the Year. I actually think this has been Ashley's worst season of the three that he's been here. And that, that I don't mean that as a slight. His first two seasons were 
really good and they would have been tough to live up to. But yeah, I, I you know, I, I think that Ashley Cole the last two seasons, perhaps he's getting votes from people on reputation uh, on the way he played the last two seasons and not really an analysis of how he's played this season. Yeah, he's he's been absolutely great. And again, uh, I keep trying to have him on this podcast as much as I possibly can. So I'll keep trying that before uh, the end of the season if we can get him uh, because, you know, what an honor to have uh, have that man play in front of us, Kevin. It's been enjoyable to watch, but he's just not the defender this year. So uh, if you disagree with us, of course, you can uh, email us or you can tweet at us and tell us uh, that, of course, uh, Dave Romney, there's no way he could be it. And then it's Zlatan Ibrahim which is not MVP. Uh, anybody who tweets at me that Zlatan is not MVP will get blocked because I don't need that well, kind of negative. They can, they can disagree with us or they can just accept the fact that we're right and they're wrong like you're going to have to do because your choices are not the same as mine. Yeah, I, I obviously, that's how it goes. All right, uh, LA Galaxy gearing up for the Sunday game against Minnesota United October 21st. This is a 2 p.m. Pacific kickoff time. Game is on ESPN and ESPN Deportes. Uh, game is at TCF Bank Stadium. More than 50,000 people supposed to be involved there on Sunday. Uh, it should be a huge game on turf, and of course, we're going to keep you updated about Zlatan Ibrahimovic and whether or not he travels with the club. Uh, a live show coming up on Thursday, and I have already hinted, uh, Vancouver plays on Wednesday night, RSL plays on Thursday night. You need to be watching both of those games. That way you can figure out what the LA Galaxy need to do this weekend uh, in order to continue that ever precarious push for the playoffs here in 2018. All right, Kevin, anything else that uh, you have, or are you good? No, I think we're good. All right, I'll let you go. I know you, I can hear your stomach grumbling all the way over here, so uh, so you go eat. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11, and please head over to LATimes.com where you can read all of Kevin's stories out covering the U.S. Women's National Team right now. was covering the U.S. Men's National Team before that. We'll cover the LA Galaxy and LAFC as both teams uh, look to the postseason, uh, and so please check that out at LATimes.com. If you're looking for me on Twitter, at JGuessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast, and head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can click on the shop button and remember type in the coupon code COG20 COG20 gets you $5 off a 2018 limited edition our corner of the galaxy scarf all right COG20 is your coupon code and I'll put a link to it in the description for the podcast all right that does it for Mr. Kevin Baxter I'm Josh Gessman you've been listening to corner of the galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com and we will catch you next time You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. Panda and Pato in the morning.